This film is lit, the podcast where we finally settle the score on one simple question. Is the book really better than the movie? I'm Brian, and I have a film degree, so I watch the movie, but don't read the book. And I'm Katie. I have an English degree, so I do things the right way and read the book before we watch the movie. So prepare to be wowed by our expertise and charm as we dissect all of your favorite film adaptations and decide if the silver screen or the written word did it better. So turn it up, settle in, and get ready for spoilers, because this film is lit. I don't know if we each have a destiny or if we're all just floating around accidental like on a breeze, but I, I think maybe it's both. Maybe both is happening at the same time. It's Forrest Gump, and this film is lit. Before we get started, I just wanted to mention that we're experimenting with some new mics on this episode, so things sound a little bit different. Not sure how much we like them, may not keep using them, but that's why this episode sounds a little different. Hello and welcome back to This Film is Lit, the podcast where we talk about movies that are based on books. We have uh, quite a bit to get to on this Forrest Gump episode, so we're going to get right into it with Let Me Sum Up. Let me explain. No, there is too much. Let me sum up. I'm going to give you a little summary of Forrest Gump, sourced from Wikipedia. If you haven't seen uh, the film or read the book... This is just the film summary. It is fairly long. I'm going to try to go quickly, but if you would like, you can skip to this time code and get right into our discussion. You should skip this. It's very long. And if you have any idea of what goes on in the book or the movie, you should just skip this because it's way too detailed. If you do want to skip it, head to 857. In 1981, a man named Forrest Gump recounts his life story to strangers who happen to sit next to him at a bus stop. As a boy in 1956, Forrest had an IQ of 75 and is fitted with leg braces to correct a curved spine. He lives in Greenbow, Alabama with his mother, who runs a boarding house and encourages him to live beyond his disabilities. Among, with, uh, among their temporary tenants is a young Elvis Presley who plays a guitar for Forrest and is inspired to incorporate the boy's jerky leg and hip movements into his performances. While trying to enroll Forrest in public school, the principal informs his mom that Forrest cannot attend, with his IQ being five points below the minimum to, uh, to attend. Later, Miss Gump has sex with the principal so that he will enroll him. On his first day of school, Forrest meets a girl named Jenny Curran, and the two become best friends. Jenny is a victim of sexual abuse at the hands of her widowed alcoholic father, but she is later removed from his custody. Bullied because of his leg braces and dim-wittedness, Forrest flees from a group of children, but when his braces break off, he is revealed to be a naturally fast runner. With this talent, he receives a football scholarship at the University of Alabama in 1962, where he is coached by Bear Bryant, becomes a top kick returner, and is named to the All-American team, where he meets President John F. Kennedy at the White House. In his first year at college, he witnesses Governor George Wallace's stand in the schoolhouse door and returns a dropped book to Vivian Malone Jones, one of the students admitted over state resistance. He visits Jenny at her college, where the two have an awkward sexual encounter. After graduating from college in 1966, Forrest enlists in the U.S. Army. During basic training, he befriends a fellow soldier named Benjamin Buford Blue, who's nicknamed Bubba, and becomes close friends and convinces Forrest to go into the shrimping business with him after their service. While on leave, Forrest visits Memphis, Tennessee to see Jenny, who was expelled from college for posing in Playboy in her college sweater and now works as a singer in a strip club. However, he embarrasses her by attacking some patrons who are harassing her, causing the two to part ways. Soon afterwards, Forrest and Bubba are sent to fight in Vietnam, serving with the 9th Infantry Division in the Mekong Delta. 
under Lieutenant Dan Taylor. After months of routine operations, their platoon is ambushed while on patrol, and several members of the platoon are killed in action, including Bubba. Forrest saves several others, including Lieutenant Dan, who loses both of his lower legs, while Forrest is shot in the buttocks. While recovering from his wound, Forrest develops a talent for ping pong. Uh, Dan is embittered uh, from having his life saved as he had hoped to die in combat like his ancestors, and detests being handicapped. Forrest is awarded the Medal of Honor for his heroism by President Lyndon B. Johnson. At an anti-war march on the Pentagon, at the anti-war march, at an anti-war march on the Pentagon rally, at the anti-war march on the Pentagon, <sighs> fucking Wikipedia. Who writes these? It's the worst. This is what we get for just using Wikipedia. It just, it's just always just off because it's the march on the Pentagon, but it says an ant at an anti-war yeah. march, and it's like specifically the march. Anyways. At an anti-war march on the Pentagon rally, Forrest meets Abby Hoffman, encounters a Black Panther group, and reunites with Jenny, who has become a drug-addicted hippie and anti-war activist. But the two are soon parted again when she leaves for San Francisco with her abusive boyfriend, Wesley, uh, the president of SDS at Berkeley. Uh, Forrest begins playing ping pong in the special services, competing against Chinese team in ping pong diplomacy, becoming a celebrity and earning himself an interview alongside John Lennon on the Dick Cavett show, uh, appearing to influence Lennon's song, Imagine. Forrest spends 1972's New York Eve, New Year's Eve in New York City with Lieutenant Dan, who has become an alcoholic, still bitter with his disability and the government's apathy towards Vietnam veterans. Forrest does not enjoy the company of Lieutenant Dan's prostitutes because of his devotion to Jenny and rejects their advances, leading Lieutenant Dan to angrily, th- angrily throw them out of it for insulting Forrest. Forrest's ping-pong success eventually leads him to meeting with President Nixon, and he is given a room at the Watergate complex where he unwittingly exposes the Watergate scandal. In 1974, Forrest is honorably discharged from the Army and returns to Greenbow, where he accepts $25,000 to use a ping-pong paddle with Mao Zedong on it. He then uses those earnings to buy a shrimp boat in uh, Louisiana, fulfilling his promise to Bubba. Lieutenant Jan- Dan then joins Forrest as his first mate, and they initially have very little success. However, after the boat becomes the only survivor of, the hur- of Hurricane Carmen, they pull in vast amounts of shrimp and create the profitable Bubba Gump Shrimp Company. And soon afterwards, Lieutenant Dan finally thanks Forrest for saving his life, having made his peace with God. Dan invests their money in early tech companies on the stock market, which Forrest mistakes for some kind of fruit company, and the two become millionaires. Forrest gives half of his earnings to Bubba's family for having inspired the shrimping venture, uh, and then Forrest returns home to his mother and cares for her during her terminal illness from cancer. After she dies, Forrest spends most of his time volunteering at a gar- as a gardener at the University of Alabama. In 1976, Jenny is recovering from years of drugs and abuse, returns to Forrest. One day, the two are walking and come across the now-abandoned house of Jenny's, house of Jenny's father, where Jenny, in a rage, throws rocks, all the rocks she can find at until she collapses in anguish. Too much detail in this one. Good lord, I should have edited this. <laughs> I just copy pasted it this afternoon because it was just. <sighs> After some time, Forrest proposes to her, but she turns him down, much to Forrest's dismay. That night, she confesses to Forrest that she does indeed love him and they make love, but Jenny leaves the next morning. Heartbroken, Forrest, for no particular reason, starts running and embarks on a cross country marathon, becoming famous for another feat. Forrest starts to garner many followers, some of whom are struggling businessmen, to whom he unwittingly gives inspiration. After a total of about three years and two and a half months running, Forrest decides to end the run and returns to Greenbow, much to the surprise of his followers. In 1981, Forrest gets a letter from Jenny asking him to visit her, which is why he, uh, he has been waiting at the bus stop. An old lady informs him that the address is only a few blocks away and he rushes off. Forrest again reunites with Jenny, who has quit uh, drugs and has turned her life around. And at this point, Jenny introduces him to their young son, Forrest Gump Jr., revealing that Forrest is his father. Initially shocked at this revelation, Forrest starts to bond with his son. 
Jenny later tells Forrest that she is sick with some kind of virus and the doctors can't do anything for her. Jenny proposes marriage to Forrest, which he happily accepts, and the three move back to Greenbow. Uh, among their wedding guests is Lieutenant Dan, who is now uh, has prosthetic legs and is uh, engaged to a Vietnamese woman named Susan. Uh, Jenny succumbs to her illness a year later, and Forrest is deeply saddened by her death, but becomes a loving, devoted father to Forrest Jr. as the two engage in activities like ping pong and fishing. Forrest also buys the land that belonged to Jenny's father and demolishes her old house. Finally, Forrest sees his son off to school on the first day of class. The end. That is uh, not a brief summary of... <laughs> But it's just like a beat for beat and <laughs> literally moment for moment summary of Forrest Gump. Uh, I hope everybody skipped this. This is my note to add back into the beginning. You should skip this. It's very long. And if you have any idea of what goes on in the book or the movie, you should just skip this because it's way too detailed. I have some questions. Let's get into them. And was that in the book? Nicholas Flamel is the only known maker of the Philosopher's Stone. The what? Honestly, don't you two read? So the film opens up, uh, and as I mentioned, it has been years since I've seen this film, but I, I did remember most of the things that happened in it. Uh, but one of the things that happens when it opens up is we open on a feather flying around, and I wanted to know if the book has a jaunty little feather that is carried hither and thither on the wind, a la Forrest Gump himself. No, it does not. Um, there are no feather or bird motifs in the book. Okay, because that is like it comes back at the end during his speech that he gives at yeah. Jenny's grave about, and as the what I referenced it at the as the intro quote for this, but that is like, yeah, the the book ends to this story mm-hmm. is that Forrest Gump is a feather on the wind, kind of going where it takes him, but that is a movie edition and not yes. from the book. Okay, then after that, the feather lands and we're introduced to Forrest Gump himself. He's sitting at a bus stop. Uh, and he starts recounting his story. And this is, we kind of get a frame story here where uh, much of the story is relayed to us by Gump himself because he's relaying it to people at a bus stop. Um, and he's like reminiscing and kind of telling his story to these people who are sitting down next to him. And it's like a handful of people over the course of the film. Uh, and I wanted to know if that, that sort of framing came from the book. No, there's not a frame story in the book. Although I do think that this was a good change. Um, Forrest's life story is long. Yes. And kind of moves at a breakneck pace from one adventure to the next. So I thought that adding a frame story really helped ground things. Mm-hmm. I think it works. I think it makes sense. And it also, Forrest seems like the kind of guy who would just tell a random person yeah. at a bus stop his life story, <laughs> regardless <laughs> of how interested they are in it. The the first lady desperately trying to ignore him was highly relatable. Yeah. Uh, So then we we get maybe the most famous line from the movie, and it's very early. It's one of the first lines in the film, Uh, and that is, my mom always said, life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. And I wanted to know if that specific line came from the book, because obviously it's, like I said, one of the most famous lines in American mm-hmm. cinema and definitely probably the most famous line from this movie. So I'm going to go with no with a, an asterisk. Okay. So the movie made, in my opinion, a good edit to the book's opening line. The book's opening line is, let me say this, being an idiot is no box of chocolates. Okay, so it was inspired by yeah. a line from the book, but they it, it took the idea and 
but made it made it better. In yeah, my say they changed the quite a bit to where it doesn't even really mean the same thing anymore. Yeah. They just used the box of chocolates analogy. Yeah, but yeah, it's saying quite uh, different things here, um, and it's definitely less. Uh... <laughs> I don't know if judgmental is not judgmental is the right <laughs> word, but it's less. Um... <laughs> insulting yeah i guess yeah that's maybe the way to put it um by changing it to which also ties in with the theme of the movie which is that yeah you know yeah the, uh, the being you the feather on the wind never know never what know life is going to bring you yes, sure exactly. that kind of thing uh so then we get we jump back he starts telling a story and we kind of get his background as a, his childhood and he explains that he where his name come from where forest come from and, it, and it's he's named after a grandfather or great great uncle something uh, who turns out was a member of the KKK and like a leader in the KKK. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to know if that's where he got his name from. And then also the movie has this line where he says that his mom said that sometimes that, that she named him Forrest as a reminder that sometimes we do things that just don't make sense. And implying that she does not, approve of the kkk or what did not approve of the kkk and what they did uh saying you know like what they did didn't make sense and i wanted to know if that's if either of those things came from the book and specifically that second part of the line because it does feel to me like maybe potentially the movie was like making his mom more sympathetic by having her be anti-kk like maybe they just threw that like he's named uh -huh. after a kkk member and then they threw that in there like and that's bad, and and they were bad, and his mom thinks they were bad. So yes, this is from the book, uh, with the, with the exception of how his mom frames it in the film. It is directly from the book. Now in the book, Forrest says, "Even my grandmama says they's a bunch of no goods." Okay, right, referring to the KKK, but we aren't explicitly told how his mom feels about right. it. And I think you hit the nail on the head here. I think the movie is trying to kind of like soften the blow of that reference yes. for the audience. Or it's, 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 if nothing else, it's trying to make sure that we don't, aren't worried that Forrest Gump and his mom, or at least his mom, because <laughs> we'll find out over the course of the movie that Forrest Gump is not bigoted. Um, it, because of, and the movie, it feels it's an implication or it's, it's because of his sort of, almost childlike innocence yeah. because of his his uh, learning disabilities or what have you that sort of makes him you know not bigoted or not judgmental of other people uh but but i think it's yes definitely the the movie going like and don't worry his mom it's, his mom didn't name him after a kkk leader because she liked the kkk that's not the reason it's a little bit what it felt like the movie like, was yeah. doing <laughs> yeah uh, so then we move forward a little bit uh, as we're we're finding out more about Forrest's childhood, and he uh, he he's getting ready to go to elementary school or you know whatever, and uh, it turns out that we find out that his his IQ is below the cutoff for like the going to like the standard public school, and the principal of the standard public school is like no he has to go to a special needs school. Um, because his IQ is too low, and his mom's like very adamant that no, he should go to a regular school, and she ends up uh, essentially just bribing the the principal with uh, by sleeping with him mm -hmm. to get forced into the standard public school. And I wanted to know if that little plot point came from the book. It does not. Um, in the book, Forrest actually does attend a 
special school, yeah. uh, which the book charmingly refers to as the nut school mm-hmm. for a while uh, before being allowed to attend the regular public high school because they want him on the football team. Okay. Uh, generally, I think I prefer the movie's take here. I'm not sure it's aged like super well, but I, I think at least trying to show his mom's level of devotion was a good choice. Yeah. It's also one of those things that probably, I don't know this for a fact, but it would, wouldn't surprise me at the time period. This is supposed to be like, what, the 50s yeah. or something? 60s? Yeah. The 50s. 50s, I think. Um, it would not surprise me to know that, that the special needs school at that t- in that time period, it, probably still in some places, whatever, but like yeah. special needs school, not exactly like I'm, I'm sure it was, a, a great institution yeah. <laughs> uh, where your child is going to get the attention and care that they need. Um, not that they necessarily wouldn't a public school either, but like that, you know, the the public school was probably a better chance of, you know, yeah. actually having a successful <laughs> um, education at that time period. Probably. Yeah. I don't know. Well, that and for and his fact, mom but. in the movie makes a reference that like she wants him to get a good education and not just be trained to retread tires. Right. Um, the implication being, I think, that he would maybe be getting vocational training that's essentially like a vocation yeah and school, and though. not necessarily like an an education right yeah and and she wants him to have like a, a formal you know tr- sort of more traditional education yeah yeah uh so uh, we then jump forward a little bit more and he explains that his mom runs basically they have this giant house and that his mom runs like a boarding like a boarding house basically uh where people come and stay or a hotel whatever whatever you want to call it and uh, one of the visitors that they have that we meet briefly is Elvis Presley. And there's this sh- very short scene where Elvis is playing guitar for Forrest Gump and Forrest is like dancing. But he has these leg braces that I mentioned because he has um, he has uh, uh, scoliosis, mm-hmm. I assume. They say his spine is crooked. Uh, and, and so it affects his ability to walk. So they give him these these leg braces uh, to help kind of like st- strengthen his spine, I guess I'm not. I'm not exactly sure how it works. Yeah, I don't. I'm not really sure how that. Because I work, thought you would but... wear a back brace for scoliosis. Yeah, I don't know. Because I, I had a leg brace for when I was before I could remember. I had, but I had like a leg that was like turned out mm-hmm. like awkwardly, and they. I I think I only wore it at night when I slept to like straighten my leg in or whatever. But I I thought, and I again I don't know anything about scoliosis. I did not have scoliosis, but. Uh, I, I thought I've thought, I've always thought it was like a back brace thing, not a leg brace. I mean, thing, that's but. what I would think, but I I don't I don't know anything about scoliosis either. And, so. and it could be that, and it could be a thing where they they use the leg braces because they just wanted it for the specific scene, right? Where they he's running and they like come flying off, and it wouldn't really work as much with a a back brace. Yeah, but they also need it to be believable that it's not like a leg issue that he. Right. I don't know. It's just yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of clumsy. I, I think it works in the overall like narrative or right. like. I mean, I guess it could but... just be dated medicine as well. Could be that I really too. Don't I, I truly don't. And also, it's maybe it's just correct. Maybe that is a yeah. thing that you. I don't. I truly do not know. I did not do the research into fifties medical remedies for <laughs> scoliosis, so I, I I do not know. But I just thought that was interesting. Anyways, because of these leg braces. Uh, when uh, Forrest dances, he does this very like kind of strange dance. Uh, that is very reminiscent of Elvis's dancing, and it's the implication—not the implication—the the text being that uh, Forrest Gump inspired Elvis's dance moves. Yes, yeah, his wanted, signature uh jerky like, hip, hip yeah, knee bent thing yeah. that he did. Yes, and I wanted to know if that came from the book. It does not. 
this was actually my favorite of all of the forest inadvertently influences pop culture moments in the movie. I thought it was silly and fun. It is silly and fun. Also, maybe the most problematic. Maybe. Because... <laughs> So this movie is full of like forced, like blindly stumbling into civil rights moments and just yeah. being like a a, a kind hearted. Um, uh, and again, because he's uh, like has a learning disability, um, you know, like st- like unknowing savior, this right. like naive savior. And in this particular instance, because if you know the story of Elvis, a lot of of Elvis's stuff was taken from black artists at yes. the time period and popularized uh by this white guy because you know he basically mainstreamed a lot of black culture stuff <laughs> essentially from my understanding and so giving that <laughs> to an, a different white character feels like a maybe not you know and a lot of it more more had to do with the music itself i think but also the dancing i'm sure at least, again i don't know the, the the very specifics of it but i think just kind of roundly being like Oh look, uh, Elvis got some of his inspiration from this other white character. When in fact, in reality, it was you know stealing a lot of stuff from black culture. Feels like a, it's kind of the epitome of what this movie kind of does, where it just like, who cares? It it's it's not interested in the history. It's not interested in what actually happened. It's interested in like this feel good. Yeah, having like, a silly trite. fun time. <laughs> like it's yeah, um, and it. It again, I agree it's a fun scene and it because it, it's one of those where it also feels kind of realist, not realistic, but like you can kind of buy it. Like it, yeah. it seems like, oh yeah, okay. Um, but at the same time, I'm like, oh god, yeah. <laughs> like when you know any of the history surrounding That's it. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. It also honestly like felt to me I mean, you said like believable. It also felt to me like a little less shoehorned. Yes, than some of the I mean. other yeah. stuff. Yes. Yeah. When I said believable, that's what I mean. It felt less like, okay, like we're just doing this now. Like yeah. it just, yeah, it felt more like, yeah, that seems feasible, maybe. But again, <laughs> the fact that it seems feasible is even more problematic. Again, when you know the actual, you know, yeah, again, the fact that, anyways, it's just, yeah, it is what it is. Um, and we'll get into more of that stuff as we go. Uh, it's it's kind of throughout, but anyways. Uh, so my next question is another line question, and I wanted to know if this line came from the book because it's another very famous line where uh, Forrest is talking to... I don't even remember the context of who he's talking to here. Um, but he says that his, his mama always says, the stupid is as stupid does. Yeah. Um, and he says it several times throughout yeah, the throughout, film. Yeah. But I wanted to know if that line came from the book. That is not from the book. Um, so <laughs> both the book and the movie, I think, are a pretty mixed bag when it comes to how Forrest's abilities are portrayed. But I, I like the addition of this specific line. I, li- I like I think that the implication um, that action is more important than abilities. Yes. Um, I, I like that. I think it's probably the kindest perspective yes. out of both the book and the movie. Yes. And yeah. and like I, I like the change because in the book, so in the movie, he always says this when somebody asks him if he's stupid, yes. when they're like, what are you stupid? And he's like, well, my mama says stupid is as stupid does, kind yeah. of like flipping the script, yeah. right? Yeah. And I prefer that script flip over what the movie does, which the is or the what the book does, which is just have him be like, oh, yeah, I'm an idiot. Right. I'm just yeah. like a huge idiot and I'm super stupid. Yeah. 
Okay, that's fair. Yeah, no, that's definitely better. <laughs> and 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 I think that does kind of get to the core of this movie. Like the you know the, this movie definitely has issues, and I, we teased it a little bit in the prequel. I was interested to see how I would feel about it on rewatch now because I hadn't seen it in fifteen years or something, um, and through a more kind of critical lens and a more worldly. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> progressive lens, how I would feel about some of this stuff. And I think I, I still land in a similar, or I land, um, I think I, I understand all the criticism of it and I agree with all of it. And we'll talk more about it later. But I do think, and this line is a good example of it, I do think the movie is heart is in the right place, mm-hmm. whether or not it it executes that properly. I don't think yeah. the movie is intentionally um, cruel or like intentionally uh demeaning or like try or or not even intentionally i don't even think the movie i think the movie is very much trying to be respectful and be like be sympathetic to and and make people feel like sympathetic but not in a demeaning or like mm-hmm. patronizing way to 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 somebody with like learning disabilities the movie is attempting to to present a person with learning disabilities as just like they're a normal person you they're they're living their life they you don't need to like you feel bad for him necessarily, but I think the movie still falls into that. Yeah. I just think it's more accidental. Yeah. Ish. Maybe. I don't know. I we'll talk about it more later, but I, I do. And this, and this is one of those instances where you're talking about where the, I think the movie is at least in this instance, trying to put across an actually good message where it is not equating quote unquote stupidity with your IQ or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like you said, it's, 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 it's equating stupidity with actions and what a person does as opposed to, their innate like intelligence yeah. or whatever, which I think is a good idea and is 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 like a good a kind sympathetic viewpoint. I and and I think this is the best one of the better examples of it. I just think that overall the movie maybe probably doesn't live up to that at all times. Right, I I do think yeah the movie falls into some traps yeah. of just. I, I guess I'll say unintentionally. I, I guess that's yeah, the best I don't, word again, for it. I don't it know if it's unintentional. Yeah, that just, sounds maybe just being a little bit patronizing. Yes, I agree, and I and I don't. I I think that maybe saying that it's unintentional feels maybe a little too like hand wavy, but it, yeah. I do think it is. I do think it is unintentional. I don't I, yeah, know. I agree. I, unintentional does feel a little bit dismissive of it, but and like a little bit but too I also, forgiving. But but I also don't think it's intentional. Yes, it's very clearly not intentional. And again, I, I, and I also, maybe that's maybe that's just you know a a result of it being having been made. 30 years ago yeah you know yeah I, but i'm sure like i'm sure there were people at the time even still but it's it is one of those things where it's it was clearly written by somebody i think who probably did was doing their best but didn't have kind of how we talked about stephen king at times where certain mm-hmm. of the things he talks about it's like where it's somebody doing their best but, but when i say doing their best i mean they could have done better by like doing more research talking to more people getting more perspectives but they were doing their best in the sense of like trying to be without they've they failed in not in not like mm-hmm. sourcing more it seems like to me at least by not like pulling uh, from more um perspectives and like getting more input from you know people with learning disabilities or people who you know um who work with people with learning disabilities and stuff like that uh but you can tell that it's not again there's other movies that that fuck up and are terrible but you can tell they just didn't care at all Right. And like we're like just dismissive of it. I don't think that's the case for this movie. 
it's more so just like more worried about the story and like crafting the narrative than it is about like being super considerate at all times about mm-hmm. like the the portrayal they're putting on screen. I don't know. It's how yeah. I feel about a lot of older like Yeah. I, I yeah, I I would agree with that. I don't think that there's any ill intent. Yeah. But maybe you didn't do like the very best you could yes. do. Yes. <laughs> yes. I think that's that's probably kind of what it boils down to, yeah. Um which again, it's not to forgive it necessarily entirely. Um but it's also one of those things where I don't I don't have and I and we're kind of talking in circles around it a little bit cuz I don't have the the I don't think either of us have the experience or the knowledge base to really discuss this as holistically as it would yes, need to be. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I, I think that's something that I, I would recommend people go s- seek out um, other discussions on this movie um, from people more informed than us about that specific topic. We we, we kind of touch on a lot of different elements and, you know, we're, we're mainly focusing on things from a quote unquote filmmaking and like writing perspective and, and how just how we think the story works. And so obviously we're going to touch on these elements, but, we're we're not doing an exhaustive yeah. um well and we're we're not experts de- on everything yes we're not doing an exhaustive deconstruction this isn't a video essay about <laughs> this you know um the portrayal of uh learning disabilities within force gum no but it is something we i think is worth talking about obviously yeah. so anyways all right, uh, another specific line I need to know if it's from the book. Uh, we get the scene where Forrest has to run away from some bullies, and uh, he's got his leg braces on, but they're on bikes, and he starts running. And Jenny yells the famous line at him, Run, Forrest, run! The line that has been yelled at a million running people <laughs> for the rest of time, and probably will for the rest of time. Uh, I want to know if Run, Forrest, run comes from the book. Run, Forest, Run is not from the book. Okay. Uh, so Forrest actually doesn't have like braces at all in the book. This was a movie edition. I do like this change. Mm-hmm. I think it works thematically, and I like that it helps ground the beginning of the story in its time period. Yeah. Uh, the scene where they fall off, I could see reading as a little silly. But I think it works within the mood of the film overall. Yes. Which is like, the film is like mostly grounded in reality, but it does occasionally flirt with magical realism. Absolutely, yeah. And that's this is one of the moments that yeah, feels it would, the most, I would say yes. like one of the bigger moments that feels like yeah. we're taking a, the tiny little flight of fancy. Yes, because they, they just like explode off of his legs. Yes. And he, <laughs> he is able to then run perfectly fine from that point on. Um. You know, and, and it's yes, we're definitely doing a little bit of magic realism here in that scene of how that all plays out. Also, he's telling a story. Who knows? You know, we, we, right. we're also getting maybe a little unreliable. I don't think we're supposed to read this as unreliable narrator necessarily, because it does seem like everything he tells like the what we're seeing mm-hmm. doesn't it feels like what what was actually supposed to be happening. It doesn't feel like necessarily we're just getting we're seeing his recollection of events right. particularly. No, he's definitely I don't think he he doesn't come across as an unreliable narrator the same way that like something like Fight Club right. uses an unreliable narrator, but I think that's an interesting read on it. Yeah, though. I was just I was just thinking about that, but I I don't really think that's what we're going for. Yeah, I just and think I, I don't so think that... it matters to the story. No, no, no I would agree. I, yeah, yeah, I think that's more important. Is it doesn't really matter because I think th- it's doing the same thing thematically either way. Mm-hmm. Um, like it, I don't think it matters if if 
the story he's telling is is heightened because he's like an unreliable narrator or if just in reality the universe this story exists in is this sort of heightened universe right it doesn't really matter yeah. either way we're kind of doing the same thing so uh, but then we move forward in time to high school and he has to run away from the same bullies, but now they're in a truck. Uh, and so he he runs. And this time as he's running, he he books it through a field and then ends up at the local high school and runs through football practice. And they're like, what the heck? This kid is so fast. And I wanted to know if that's how he if he gets if one, if he becomes a football player and two, if the reason he becomes a football player is he's running from bull- bullies and comes sprinting through a football field and they recruit him. No, none of that's from the book. Okay. Uh, so in the book, he's this absolute giant of a man. Mm, okay. He's six foot six and two hundred and forty-two pounds, as we are told multiple times. Yeah, uh, and he gets recruited to play at his high school, uh, literally just due to his size. Oh, okay. Like they see him and they're, they're like, like, "I yeah. want that kid on the football team because he's massive." Uh, they do ultimately discover that he's a really fast runner, especially for his size. So that part is pulled from the book. Okay. Uh, I liked the scene in the movie, and I'm gonna go with the movie's version of things. Yeah, on that. Mm-hmm. That's fun. Uh, but then he goes on to college, and he becomes an all-American in college because he's as a, a, a kick returner. He's very talented, uh, and he ends up getting to go meet uh, the president from, because he's part of the all-American team. And when he's there, they they have like free food and drinks, and so he drinks like 13 Dr. Peppers. And so we get this footage of him meeting JFK. And as he gets up there, JFK asks him how he feels to be an All-American, and he says he has to pee. Mm. And I wanted to know if that, if he meets JFK, and then he has to, he tells him that he has to pee. Oh, <laughs> uh, for so Forrest announcing I have to pee um, when he doesn't like know what else to say is a running gag throughout the book. The first time it happens is is when he's getting an award at the All-State football banquet. Although JFK is not there. And now he never says this while meeting a president that I can recall, although he does meet two presidents in the book. Okay. I should mention maybe that I hated this book with the fire of a thousand suns. <laughs> you hadn't gotten to that part yet. <laughs> you had not mentioned that yet. No. You... I, I, I actually meant to put like a disclaimer at the beginning of this episode um, yeah. saying that I hated this book so, so much. And if this is your favorite book ever and you love it, you should turn this episode off right now because you're not going to like the things that I have to yeah. say about this book. So, so far, we have we have not really gotten into any of your negative feelings on the book. So uh, this can be as good a time as any to drop that warning. But yes, uh, you were not a fan of this book at all. Um, maybe the most I've seen you dislike a book. I st- I stopped multiple times to inform you yeah. how much I hated the book. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's other times where he's like, "This book is weird." Oh, I'm not really feeling this book. Oh, there's this I don't like. This you, this was a, a very much a, um, a seething hatred of this book in a way that I have I have not seen from you before. So I thought the uh, just <laughs> fair warning to any of the people listening to this who really enjoy this book. <laughs> Katie is not on board. <laughs> Um, so then after uh, college and his, his football career, he then uh, he graduates from college, gets his diploma, and uh, he gets recruited into the Army. Uh, and he ends up enlisting, and he goes to, uh, uh, what is it? <laughs> Call it training camp. Uh, basic? Basic, yes. And uh, basic training, that's what it's called. Good Lord. I want to call it training. That's football is training camp, but 
uh, he goes to basic and uh, there he meets Bubba. And I wanted to know if, if in the book he, he goes, he joins the army and, and becomes friends with Bubba. So in the book, he initially gets deferred from the draft. Um, Cause I think the book ta- is taking place like maybe slightly later in the time frame than the movie is because they're already like drafting for the Vietnam War. No, I think the same thing happens in the film because when he gets on the when he gets on the bus and he meets Bubba, Bubba says he was drafted. Oh, that's fair. So I think he just enlisted before being drafted or something. I I don't know. Yeah, because he does say Um, Bubba says he was drafted. So 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 but he initially gets deferred from the draft. Um but then he flunks out of college after his first year in the book, and then he does get drafted into the army. Um, and he, but he actually meets Bubba. Bubba is from the book, but Forrest meets him while he's in college because Bubba is also on the oh, football so team. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but then when he gets to Vietnam, Bubba is already there and ends up transferring into Forrest's unit. I think the movie making the change to just have him meet Bubba when he gets into the army makes a lot of sense. Um, partly because the books was kind, the books version was kind of convoluted, um, but also all of the important interactions that we have with Bubba happen during like the army yeah. slash Vietnam sequence. So I think that just makes sense. Yeah, especially because we're kind of like. Uh, the whole college thing, we kind of like a lot of this early stuff. We're just like flying. Yeah, through. we just kind of zip. We kind of like montage through like a lot of his early life stuff, and then really once we get to Vietnam is when it kind of slows yeah. down, and yeah. we actually spend some time like seeing what happened to, from there to the end of the film. Uh, up until that, it's really just like little flashes of moments mm-hmm. from his life, um, little vignettes of moments, and so yeah, I think introducing Bubba before this moment would have felt weird in the movie. Because it's like, oh, like, because we wouldn't have really had time to even see no. him, really, like, Mm-mm. you know, see him in college or whatever. Because uh, it's in, again, just a handful of scenes before we get to Vietnam. So I think that makes sense. Because, again, this is where the movie actually slows down and gives us time with the, like, all of these characters. And when the narrative kind of settles in and we, we actually get to kind of the meat of the story. When they're in basic, uh, Bubba explains that he grew up in Louisiana, I believe. And uh, I think he said Louisiana. I think so. And his his whole family was like shrimpers or something like that. Or he comes from a family of, uh, or or at least cook a lot of shrimp. His mom was like a cook. Yeah. And she knows all these ways to cook shrimp. And I can't remember if he said his family was shrimpers or not, but he wants to be a shrimper. He wants to buy a shrimp boat after he gets out of the military. He has all these plans. But there's this one great scene that everybody talked about. Uh, it's very funny where Bubba gives... Forrest Gump, an exhaustive list of all of the ways you can cook shrimp. Uh, yes. Where he's like, shrimp scampi, shrimp taco, shrimp. He goes through like 800 things or whatever. It's like, it's like 20 things or whatever. But he goes through his whole list of all the ways you can cook shrimp. And then he gets to the end of it and he goes, that's about it. <laughs> and I wanted to know if his exhaustive list of shrimp preparations came from the book. It does not come from the book. Okay. Movie edition. Well, kudos on that one. Really. <laughs> uh, so then we get to Vietnam. They, uh, Bubba and, and Forrest get deployed, uh, sent over to Vietnam. They arrive at uh, 9th Infantry or whatever, platoon or something. And they're introduced to, uh, to Lieutenant Dan, who is the leader of the platoon. And uh, one of my favorite little like gags in the movie is they're introduced to Lieutenant Dan and Forrest explains that 
Dan, Lieutenant Dan has had a relative or an ancestor who has fought and died in every American war. And we get this great little like visual gag of like Gary Sinise in <laughs> in military uh, uniforms from each like the Revolutionary War, the Civil War, the mm-hmm. uh, World War One, World War Two, whatever. Yeah. Um, just like falling over in the mud and dying in each of those wars. And I wanted to know if that little like gag came from the book because I like that a lot. So, Lieutenant Dan is from the book. Okay. But he's a pretty different character than in the movie, at least initially. Later on, when he's, like, angry and drunk and depressed, he's much closer to his book counterpart. Okay. But initially, he's a pretty different character. He's not the leader of their platoon, and Forrest actually meets him in the hospital after the ambush, and his legs are already gone. Okay. So, we never know him with legs. Okay. In the book. Yeah. Interesting. Um, and his backstory is that he used to be a history teacher, and initially he's actually like pretty zen about the whole thing at this point in the story. Like when he meets him in the hospital? Yeah. Oh, okay. Huh. Uh, the bit about him having a relative who fought and died in every American war is not from the book, but I liked this addition, uh, especially in light of the other changes that the movie made to his character overall. I think it tells us a lot about who he is and what he values in a very succinct way. Okay. That was yeah. also pretty amusing. Yeah, again, I, I think that's just one of it's it's a very funny little gag um and that the movie uh, succeeds at doing very quickly. Um so then there there we spend some time at Vietnam kind of exp- going through like the day to day and what it's like and 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 force is explaining about how like it's just rained the whole time and you know writing letters to Jenny and all this sort of stuff and how initially he actually kind of liked it because he said there was always somewhere to go and some something to do and that sort of thing. Um, but then he tells the story of uh, the when they got ambushed and his whole platoon basically gets either killed or horribly uh, maimed and injured. Um, and uh, this scene is, or this whole sequence is pretty famous for um, uh, fa- because of Bubba's dying. Bubba dies in this scene. And mm-hmm. I wanted to know, very heartbreaking scene because we've come to like Bubba quite a bit. He's a very similar kind of character to Forrest Gump. They get along really well. Um, they seem to understand each other very well. And Forrest says that like he's like his only friend. Yeah. Um, other than Jenny, I guess. But like you know, he's like his best friend or whatever. Uh, and so it's a very heartbreaking scene where during this ambush, Bubba gets shot or whatever. Something happens to him, and he he basically dies in Forrest's arms after Forrest is able to find him and, and carry him out of the jungle, but um, he dies before they're able to be rescued. Uh, and I wanted to know if uh, Bubba does die in Forrest's arms in the book like he does in the movie. Oh, and also does... Well, I guess we do know that Lieutenant Dan loses his legs because yes. that's when we meet him. So. Yeah. Uh, so it's similar in the book. Bubba does die in Vietnam as they're like escaping an ambush, um, but he doesn't technically die in Forrest's arms. He gets really badly badly injured, and Forrest carries him out of the line of fire. And then, as a medic is working on him, Bubba asks Forrest to play him something on his harmonica, because Forrest plays the harmonica oh, in the okay. book. Um, and then he passes as he's playing. Like he plays, I forget exactly what, but um, right. it's like something from his like his home or his childhood or mm-hmm. something like that. Um, and I, both scenes I think are emotionally resonant. Uh, I liked that the movie has Forrest save pretty much everyone else, but he can't save Bubba. I thought that was kind of like a, a knife twist in a good way. Yeah, no, I agree. 
yeah, I, I think it's a great scene in the movie. And I mean, I guess I'll spoil it a little bit now. I, I didn't hate this movie again on rewatching. Mm-hmm. I still enjoy this movie. I think it has a lot of issues. I think it and it's it's definitely a a product of its time in a way that is um tough. And it's it's. I don't love it. <laughs> like I, <laughs> I, I think I would have said if when you asked if you asked me like in college or high school when I had seen this movie a, a two or three times, you know, throughout my childhood, I would say, oh yeah, I love that movie. It's great. I don't think I feel that same way about it now. But I do. I did not hate it. I did not think. Mm-hmm. And again, I do think it's mainly because I don't think it was like mean spirited. I don't think it was like intentionally um, problematic or intentionally like. <sighs> And again, that's a low bar, but I, I do think that it, and we'll get to it. I have a note about it later, but I, I I think it is still a very emotionally effective movie and does a really good job of, of kind of telling its story in an emotionally resonant way. Um, and this is another scene that I think does work really well. And I think part of that, a big part of it is um, Michael T. Williams. I can't remember his last name. The guy who plays Bubba does a really good job um, and, and is very, just um heartbreaking in this scene and tom hanks is tom hanks he does a great job even some of little details aside <laughs> which we'll discuss later um you know again there are some issues with his performance in this movie uh maybe not so much the performance as choices yeah th- with there the were some choices made yeah uh that are maybe not ideal but uh, yeah uh and maybe just his casting it i don't know whatever point being i think it's still a very emotionally effective movie if you let it be emotionally effective, I can understand mm-hmm. watching this movie and going and just rolling your eyes through the whole thing. Like I, I don't necessarily d- disagree with that assessment of this film. Like if you just, if none of it emotionally resonates because you're so kind of like <sighs> have issues with everything else going on, I can totally understand that. Whereas there's other movies where I, I would say I don't agree. Like I don't understand that. Like there's other movies where I, I can't think of a great example where I'm like, yeah, I get that there's issues with it, but I don't understand how you could watch it and not think this is like brilliant or incredible. I can understand watching this movie and be like, eh, no, yeah. thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and it is a little, it, it is good at being emotionally resonant. I would say at times it can get maybe a little heavy handed. It's well. a little maudlin. At t- yeah. Is that the right word? Maybe, but it's, <laughs> I, I just kind of threw that out there. I think that I think maudlin works. I think that works. <laughs> um, and it's definitely, yeah, it's a little try hard at times and it's, uh, and, and I, and I have some more notes about that later, which we'll get to about like why I think tonally it doesn't always work, um, which we'll discuss. But again, this is one of those scenes that I think it still works. And I think, you know, all the other issues aside, it's still a really effective scene. And again, most of that's down to the performances and the direction and the score obviously mm-hmm. is really good. Just everything. Like it's a very well-made film, but anyways. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. We'll get to that more in a bit. Uh, does Gump become a ping pong master after his injury in Vietnam? And in, in the movie, he, he, there's a ping pong table at the, um, uh, the mash, the military hospital or whatever that he's at. And he becomes a ping pong virtuoso. Mm-hmm. I wanted to know if that came from the book. Uh, it does. Okay. Uh, this is one of his quote unquote, idiot savant yeah. talents yes. in the book. Um, and that is a term that the book uses, yeah. which is why I'm using it here. He, yeah. He just picks up a paddle and, and he's naturally incredible at it. Yep. Uh, his, his other book talents that didn't make it into the movie include playing the harmonica, which I mentioned a minute ago, uh, playing chess, and also physics equations. Interesting. Okay. But actually, 
a scene in the movie that I thought was the closest to like how this is portrayed in the book was when he puts the gun together really quickly. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And he just like jup 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 zoops yeah. through it. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely because the movie definitely wanted. I think the movie goes a little bit away from the quote unquote idiot Samant thing and mm-hmm. more towards he's really good at ping pong. Yeah. But other than that, he's really fast just because for whatever reason he just happens to be fast. Which isn't like a savant thing. That's just like whatever. He's just like physically talented at running. But <laughs> I, I, I think that, and the other thing is that I think that more so, it's I think the movie goes away from the whole savant thing and more towards he's really he he's really good at taking orders. <laughs> like mm-hmm. that's like the angle they take it, and so he's really good at doing the whole gun thing because he just and there's definitely part of it where it is definitely they're leaning into the like he's able to like hyper focus. He's like right. autistic or whatever in a way that allows him to like again hyper focus and get super good at stuff but the movie definitely dials it back it sounds like from what oh the book does yes. with that yeah yeah i guess yeah <laughs> anyways uh so then after he gets home from the war he gets uh, injured he gets the medal of honor uh and he comes home from the war um and as he gets back home he goes he's in dc because he's receiving the medal of honor and then he ends up kind of just he's like sightseeing in dc and ends up uh, getting drug into the the march for the march on Washington, which is a big peace rally that happened in D.C. Uh, protesting the Vietnam War, and he gets kind of drug into it because they have a bunch of vets there mm-hmm. to be part of the protest, and he's in uniform, and they think he's supposed to be part of this protest, so they like drag him and throw him in line, and again because he's just kind of goes with the flow, he's just like sure, okay, whatever, and just kind of follows these people and ends up speaking at the National Mall in front of, you know, 100,000 people for the March on Washington uh, with Abby Foreman. Uh, it's the guy in the American flag shirt that yeah. you mentioned. Yeah, yeah. Who's one of the Chicago 7, I think. Pretty sure. Chicago I, I learned. I had to look him up while yeah. we were I did, too, because I was like, I sure he's. A, I know he's, like, a person. But, yeah, I'm pretty sure he's part and of he the Chicago like 7. he was one of the most prominent anti-war protesters yeah. of the time. Um. Anyway, so he ends up in there and he, he gives a speech, but we don't actually hear a speech because one of the there's like a general there that like unplugs his microphone while he's talking mm-hmm. or whatever. So we don't actually hear what he says, but he goes up there and gives some speech. And then um, afterwards, uh, he he reunites with Jenny. But I wanted to know if if Forrest gets like kind of <laughs> accidentally ends up speaking at an anti-war protest after <laughs> receiving the Medal of Honor for his role in the Vietnam War. Um, No, this scene is not from the book. There's kind of a similar-ish, ish, ish, ish scene. Um, so in the book, after Forrest gets back from Vietnam, he seeks out Jenny, um, who is kind of similarly living this like hippie lifestyle. Yeah. And she pulls him into a demonstration that they're planning where veterans are going to, like, throw their medals away in protest. Like, they're all going to get up on the stage and they're going to throw their medals away. Yeah. Um, and so he does this. Uh, he chucks a Congressional Medal of Honor and it ends up, because he's naturally athletic, it, like, flies all the way across the thing and it hits a congressional clerk and then he ends up getting arrested. Ah, okay. Now, I have some thoughts on the movie scene okay. that I want to discuss later Okay. Uh, at a different point that you bring up, but I will say that I prefer him giving his medal to Jenny in the in the movie. Okay. All right, cool. 
Uh, so then right after that, she, she, cause at, she's at the protest out in the crowd and she sees him and she runs out into the fountain. It's a very moving scene again, mm-hmm. mainly cause the score swells, blah, blah, blah. Um, but she runs out in the scene. He's like, oh, and uh, into the fountain and they reunite in the fountain and hug and embrace. Uh, and then she takes him, uh, back to meet her, like her boyfriend. He take they're at a black Panther party because her boyfriend, Wesley is part of the SDS, which is probably something socialist something it's i don't like, know uh, oh god i looked that up too um it's like student uh democratic socialists yeah. or something like that anyways he's yeah he's part of like a socialist like a lefty movement and he's working him and uh jenny are working with the black panther party uh, through mm-hmm. the protests and all this sort of stuff um doing like organizing organizing and all that sort of stuff uh but he ends up at this black panther meeting and then wesley hits jenny while he's there and then he starts beating the shit out of wesley uh, and uh, the fight has to get broken up by the Black Panthers, and then they kick him out of their party, and that's where the the line is. Sorry, I, sorry, I ruined your Black Panther party or whatever. Um, which is a funny line. I'll have more notes about this later. <laughs> yeah. But uh, this is the movie at its worst, maybe. But uh, it's most conservative. <laughs> but um, or it's most liberal, depending on your use of the word liberal. But I wanted to know uh, if that whole scene comes from the book. If he ends up at a Black Panther party and beats up jenny's current boyfriend and blah 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 so none of this is from the book jenny dates some guys throughout who like maybe aren't the cream of the crop but i don't recall any of them being physically abusive uh he never has to beat any of her boyfriends up uh they'd never end up at a black panther meeting this scene was so weird to me it's right like especially when like the main guy is like shouting all of their objectives yes. and it's just like listing everything it almost felt like like it was from a mel brooks movie it's, like it's it was rough. so strange yeah. it is it is definitely the again this movie at its most peak uh, again i said conservative but i think i i think maybe liberal actually oh yeah like in the sense that it's um this movie is very um and because of it, it's at its most liberal it, it it becomes conservative is, is that this movie is very anti without it. I think meaning to be, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, that's not true. This scene very I clearly think this scene means to be, yes, but like, is this is definitely the movie at its most, um, why you gotta be so mad. Why is everybody gotta be yeah, such can't a, we all just can't get we along? all just get along? Like it is at its most like uh, milk toast centristy, like yeah. do nothing liberalness for sure. Uh, and it is maybe the, my least favorite scene in the movie. Anyways, I wanted, so it's not, none of that's from the book. No. Okay. Which is funny. Cause it's, yeah, I, it's this scene's in, I don't know. I will have more on this later. I think I have another note about it later, but it's just woof, it's rough. So then after uh I think this is when he goes and meets Nixon for the ping pong thing, yeah. right? Yes, because he goes and he's doing ping pong. He leaves the Jenny leaves again, they leave, and then now he's going to play ping pong in China for the US government yeah. as propaganda or whatever. And when he comes back, Nixon like he meets Nixon because of this, and Nixon puts him up in a hotel. And puts him up in the Watergate. Yeah. Again, this is some of that like heavy handed. Like, what yeah. are we doing here? I guess <laughs> whatever. Um, but uh, I want to know if Forrest cracks the Watergate scandal in the book because in the movie he sees the people breaking into the hotel and go, you know, and he reports them, and that's yeah. how the Watergate happens. <laughs> right. Uh, that is not from the book, but there is 
a particularly stupid scene in the book where he meets Nixon and like corrects him on something. And the book <laughs> literally has Nixon say, are you calling me a liar? I am not a crook. It literally has Nixon say, I'm not a crook in this book. And then Forrest says the word take and Nixon starts screaming tape. Never say that word around me. And I don't know. Maybe this was funnier <laughs> in 1986. I like the movie's version is heavy handed, but I would rather have that. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. Again. I, yeah, I think so. You know what I just realized what this movie is? This movie is ready player one for like boomers. <laughs> Ready Player One is for like Gen X. Yeah. This, this is, is Ready, Ready Player, Player One, One for, for boomers. boomers. You're right. Hey, remember Watergate? <laughs> remember Watergate? Remember the March on remember Washington? The, like, is remember yes. the Black Panthers? Yes. yes. And again, and, and in a similar light, I think it's well-meaning, but horrible politics, like accidental <laughs> horrible politics. And maybe not super accidental all the time, but a lot of the 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 like mm -hmm. shitty politics of it, I think, are mm -hmm. accidental mm -hmm. and just like not re like thinking through the fact that what you're saying actually is like really shitty and kind of like conservative and bad. Um, it is like I think this is like the same. This is uh, Forrest Gump is Ready Player One for Boomers. Put that on the fucking back <laughs> of the box. <laughs> oh god yeah but you know it's the same thing it is it's a lot because it's like the like ready player one it's like yeah do you remember this do you remember this yeah. do you remember this it's just like references to things without really much to say about them yeah it's, it's just a we'll string get, of references it's just a string of references um, without are, without really any commentary yes without really any commentary and it's kind of fun to watch and enjoyable and it has some moments that work and are emotionally resonant but like if you think about it too much you're like this is awful like it's yeah. kind it's just I think I cracked it. <laughs> I think I cracked it. Oh, goodness. So uh, then we, again, and uh, see Jenny. I think that I, I wrote this note because this is where she's, it's, we're now in the 70s, mm -hmm. and we see her, like, leave. She's out in California or something, and she's leaving some, she's at some, like, hotel room, and, like, do, she was doing drugs. We see her, like, doing cocaine, and then she, like, goes and stands on a balcony, and it's the second time in the movie we've seen her kind of, like, flirt with the idea of, like, jumping off like yeah. killing herself basically uh but again the 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 boyfriend the person she's with is like some shithead you know uh, who's like abusive and blah 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 and i wanted to know um and she, again she's addicted to drugs at this point and she's just miserable and i wanted to know if the trajectory of jenny's life is similar in the book where she kind of ends up in a string of abusive relationships and ends up on drugs and is just miserable because I have thoughts on this we'll talk more about later but um I mean I wouldn't say that she has like the easiest funnest time in the book she uh, similarly to Forrest kind of floats from thing to thing she occasionally will get in with like the wrong person but overall the book does not nearly punish her like really? the movie does Interesting. yeah okay. and she's also like far less of a character I would say in the book like we don't um, really get any meaningful we don't really spend a lot of meaningful time with her we don't get any backstory for her really she's just kind of there like yeah. on the periphery okay. whereas the movie does you know maybe to its credit make her more of her own character yeah yeah it's it's rough but yeah she definitely yeah. has more 
And again, we have more on this later, shortly, mm-hmm. so we'll get to it. Um, so then uh, we talked about, or I mentioned in the summary, that Forrest um, gets some money for a ping pong sponsorship that he did and then uh, invests that money in buying a shrimp boat um, That because he promised Bubba that he would you know, start a shrimp company with him. Um, so he f- fulfills that promise, even though Bubba is dead at this point. Uh, and starts up a shrimp boat, and uh, and then eventually Lieutenant Dan shows up to join him on that shrimp boat because he told Forrest that if he ever did that, like kind of you know sarcastically, oh, if you become a shrimp boat captain, I'll be your first mate or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that he actually is, Lieutenant Dan keeps the promise and shows up and uh, helps him on the shrimp boat. And I wanted to know if the whole shrimp boat plot line came from the book. So the idea of it does. Um, Forrest eventually does get his shrimp boat. In the book, he doesn't run it with Lieutenant Dan. Okay. He's initially running it with an orangutan named Sue. Pardon me, what? Oh, I'll get to it. Don't you fucking worry. I'll get to it. I'll get to the orangutan. Don't you worry. Pardon me, what? So (laughs) when the shrimp business gets successful, uh, pretty much every person he met throughout the book other than Lieutenant Dan comes back to help run it. The book book does like a, a, what is it called when all the characters come back at the end? There's a term for that, isn't oh, there? Oh, yeah, probably. I yeah. don't know what it is. Yes. Yeah, but know, that's yeah. like a trope. Yes. The book does one of those, except for Lieutenant Dan. He doesn't come back. Really? Um, He comes back briefly at the very end, but not to help run the shrimp business. Uh, I very much put this change into the movie is better. Uh, Lieutenant Dan kind of just vanishes from the book um, while the movie bothers to give him an actual arc and emotional through line. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. I. I like I said. I. I. I like this part. Um. Of the movie quite a bit. Um. I think it's maybe the movie at its best. Um. Yeah. It's kind of the stuff with Lieutenant Dan at the end and like. Him kind of c- dealing with his issues and coming to terms with himself and all that sort of stuff, and and the the whole shrimp boat thing is like fun and interesting and I think I again I think there's a lot of stuff there's a lot of stuff I do like in this movie as I said I don't hate this movie. Um. There's plug stuff in it that i don't like but overall i don't hate it and this is some of the stuff that i think works better overall after this there's a we we, he then returns home because his mom is sick she Mm -hmm. has cancer sally field uh and she is she is dying and um i really there's not much to talk about here but other i just want to know if this one line is in the book because it's from the movie very famous line and i think it's also maybe one of my favorite moments in the movie just because it's it, I find it very emotionally resonant the way he kind of handles this and the way he he's so he's telling the story to these people on this bench and he gets to the point about his mom dying and he he t- he tells the story of his mom passing away um and then uh kind of abruptly he just says to the person on the bench we cut back to them on the bench and he just says and that's all I have to say about that and then we just kind of move on and there's something about that like he's still processing that mm-hmm. um his mom's death and like not really being able to put it into words and just kind of that's all I have to say about that. And then just moving on that I, I find really heartbreaking, but also really like real and true. I don't know. Like I just thought that scene worked really well. And I wanted to know if that line came from the book. It's also a very popular line. Mm -hmm. Um, That's all I have to say about that. I just want to know if that came from the book. Uh, It does not come from the book. All right. But I agree with you. Um, I think it is an an emotional moment that feels very real. Yeah. 
No, I like it a lot. After his mother passes away, Jenny shows back up again uh, and comes and stays with him for a while um, and lives with him for a while. She is now um, seemingly, you know, sober off drugs or something like that. It's kind of staying with 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 Forrest as like a <laughs> it's like a halfway house kind yeah, of kind deal, of kind of. And uh, they're spending a lot of time together. And uh, Forrest, again, is kind of rekindles his feelings for her. And he um, he asks her to marry him. Uh, and she turns him down again. I think this is the second time he's asked her. Maybe. Maybe. I can't remember. Anyways, if not. Anyways, he asks her. She turns him down again. And um, at one point, uh, I think it is the second time because I think it's a callback to the first time where he says, and this is what I'm asking about, is a specific line where he says, I'm not a smart man, but I know what love is. Um, which is a callback to the, I thought the first time when... Uh, somebody there's some line earlier where something about him not being smart and or something about not knowing what i don't know i can't remember there's some this is a callback to an earlier scene where he Mm -hmm. says i'm not a smart man but i i may not be a smart man but i know what love is and i wanted to know if that line came from the book and if he does propose to jenny and she rejects him here um no none of this is from the book Uh, in the book um Jenny and Forrest do live together for a while, but she leaves because she doesn't like his amateur wrestling career. I'm sorry. Every time don't, you say things in worry, these I'll notes, it's... <laughs> I know that like, I'm just giving you a little taste of how I felt reading the book. Um, his wrestling career. And then he later on learns that she married somebody else. Okay. Yeah, and, and I, I think there is a discussion to be had about the movie's treatment of oh, Jenny. Yes. We'll talk about um, it. And also her relationship with Forrest. But similar to what the movie does with Lieutenant Dan, I think that the movie does a much better job yes. of giving her an arc and an emotional through line. Yeah. So after she rejects him, they do end up having sex, but then she leaves the next day. Goes off again, uh, and after that happens, uh, Forrest decides he's just gonna go running. He just felt like running uh, that day for no particular reason. I decided to go for a little run, and I wanted to know if Forrest just running across the country for almost three years has come from the book. It does not. This part was completely invented for the movie. Interesting. I thought it was fine. Yeah, I think um, it was. it's certainly preferable to me to some of the book's plot, if you can call it that. Points. Yeah. yeah. Fair enough. Which I have heretofore hinted at. <laughs> yes. Uh, so one of the things while he's on the run, uh, which is maybe the silliest part of the whole run little montage sequence, is that he uh, encounters a man who uh, wants to make a T-shirt, and. Uh, Forrest Gump gets splashed with mud and he wipes his face off with it and it it kind of vaguely creates the smiley face. Mm-hmm. I say vaguely. In the movie, it's like cartoonishly like the smiley yeah. face thing in a way that obviously wouldn't. And again, the movie, no, it's just it was some of the like silly magic realism flirting that the movie does. But I wanted to know if that came from anything with him creating the smiley face t-shirt with wiping his muddy face off came from the book. No, none of that's from the That book. one was real good. Yeah, maybe one of the silliest things <laughs> yeah. in the movie. Yeah. Uh, is the book equally obsessed with presidential assassination attempts? Because I thought that was really interesting in the movie. We watch like, like the actual footage of like quite a few presidential yeah. assassination yeah. attempts <laughs> and i wanted to know if the book references those as much as the movie does it, it does not 
I assumed that the movie was doing this primarily to help the audience pinpoint the year. I I agree, but there's lots of ways they do that throughout the movie. Like, because, you know, we see, like, the March on Washington. We see the... There's, like, a bunch of different um, little things that we see that are time, you know, Mm -hmm. references. Uh, But for some reason, they also do that with presidential assassinations, like, a lot. Like, like the number of times we see... Uh, a news story or footage of a president. I just thought it was very f- interesting and I was trying to figure out if there's a because re- there's other things you could pinpoint that with and again the movie does yeah. other like flagpole m- moments of like oh this thing happened now you know it's 19 you know the Watergate thing the blah 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 like we get these other things. I mean I think it could be a further I mean I'm sure there's a lot of reasons that they chose to do this but I think that it could also be like further um demonstration that Forrest is if you'll pardon the way I'm going to say this too stupid to understand like hatred okay because whenever they detail like an assassination he does always he say, always like, says some, like some, for, for no reason, for no yeah. reason yeah. shot that man. Yes, they do. And they say it every single every time. single time, yeah. which I think somebody made a really good call to not have Martin Luther King Jr. in this yeah. movie. For no somebody was like, we should probably not say yeah. <laughs> for no reason at all. Someone yeah. shot. Yeah. Yeah, because because I mean, obviously, for all of them, the answer is not for no reason yes. at all. Like, there's even if, like, even and, the and terrible then, and reasons. That's the point. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Obviously, yes, that is the point. But it is. I think they decided that that doing it, going the step further and having maybe do that with like MLK might have been like a step too might far. have been a step too far. Yeah. Yeah. yeah for sure. Then do, I think. Well, that was the other thing I was going to mention. I I think maybe the other uh, thing potentially that you could kind of contrast, or or that they might be showing the assassinations, like continuously showing the assassinations for, is kind of juxtaposing. Look at all the strife and hardship, and uh, not hardship, but like look what happens when you're a person who like craves power or mm-hmm. um aspires to like achieve thing or I don't know if that's the right word but who gets involved in things and again not not to say that like I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this but like I think there's like a juxtaposition of like Forrest's very like um sort of naive innocent almost I, I'm gonna call it pastoral life which mm-hmm. is not tr- like not accurate because he ends up involved right. in all these things but yes. like the idea of the ideal life that this movie presents is like living in the house you grew up in and like with your barefoot wife, like raising your child in this like grand old estate. Yeah. Like in, in like a nice old house and like living a very simple, like yeah. he's a gardener at the end of the movie. And blah, you know what I mean? Like, I think the movie is presenting Forrest's trajectory of his life, even though he ends up in all this like chaotic nonsense through no meaning of his own he's never the force of the chaos, I guess. And I I almost wonder if the movie is trying to juxtapose the violence that occurs to people like politicians and stuff because they're getting involved in Mm, mm -hmm. the issues and all this bullshit. And whereas Forrest is like, ends up in that bullshit sometimes, but not that's not what he wants. He wants to just like 
live in a house and go fishing and play ping pong. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think the movie is like, wouldn't it be nice if we were all more like that? Yeah. Kind of. And I don't think, I, I don't know. I think there's maybe something there to like juxtaposing, like, look what happens if you try to get all caught up in all this worldly nonsense as opposed to like just being like this feather on the wind who just kind of goes with the flow and um tries to live like a simple mm-hmm. pastoral life you, you get assassinated if you do column a and if you do column b you get to be forrest gump and like you know be awesome and have a great <laughs> life i don't know i i do think maybe there's something there too potentially anyways last couple questions at the end, he finally meets up with Jenny again after his mom dies, like, or well after his mom dies, after she leaves again. And this is, like, where we catch up with the frame story where he was waiting at the bus stop. He goes and he meets up with Jenny, and she has a child, and she reveals to him that it's their child, that it's his child, um, Forrest Jr. Uh, and I wanted to know if Forrest Jr. came from the book and if Jenny had Forrest's child without him knowing. Um, I will say that this is... People famously um, hate Jenny in this movie. Uh And when I say people, I mean like shitheads, in my opinion, (laughs) famously hate Jenny in this movie because they think that she's just like cruel and awful to Forrest and like just uses him and all that sort of stuff, Um, which I don't think there's nothing to that. But I I think there's mostly nothing to that (laughs) Um, because I think she's a very complicated character, but um, who's mostly just written poorly kind of in a way. But. I do think this is like the one like worst thing she does to Forrest arguably is like having a child and just not telling him at all. And and she does eventually, but like mm-hmm. seems kind of rough to just like spring it on him and be like, surprise, you have a kid. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he's like four. Yeah. Surprise. He's like four at this point. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> all right, maybe. I don't know. But again, it's complicated. I don't know how you would, ha- how I would handle Oh, I don't know how I would handle that. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not even ha- beginning to uh, like muse on how I would handle a situation like that. Um, and their whole relationship is wildly complicated in a way that yes. is hard to even <laughs> discuss. But does does she have a secret Forrest Junior? Yeah, this is this is from the book. Uh, and if you think the movie's version is bad, oh boy. So what happens in the book is that Jenny runs into Forrest while he's like on a vacation and she happens to live in the town that he's in. Uh, She's still married to somebody else and she has a little boy with her when she happens to run into him and she says his name is Forrest and Forrest says, oh, you named him after me, at which point Jenny reveals that Forrest is in fact the father. Okay. Um... The implication to me being that Jenny was not, in fact, planning on telling him. Yeah, right. And then Jenny says that she should have told him, but she was worried that Forrest Jr. would turn out to be an idiot. But it's fine because he's not. And then they part ways. And that's how the book ends. Okay. Mm. When I tell you I hated this book, (laughs) I mean that I hated this book. I'm not exaggerating. yeah. Well, then the movie uh, decides that Jenny needs to be punished for her sins of being a bad girlfriend and a floozy or whatever. Uh, so she gets AIDS or HIV. The movie never says what yeah. she has, but it is very much implied that she has HIV. 
uh, because she has some sort of virus and the doctors don't know what it is. Yes. And it's 1981. Yes. So. <laughs> seems like it. It seems like it. Um, and I wanted to know if she is punished with HIV for her sins in the book. Oh, she's not. Uh, like I said, she and Forrest just part ways. Okay. They both go and live their separate lives. I, does she? I thought I read somewhere that she gets, she has like, she like dies of like hepatitis or something in the book. Maybe it's a sequel. Maybe, yeah. There, thought, there is a sequel. I will okay. not be reading the sequel. Maybe it's a sequel. I thought I remember reading somewhere years ago when I was trying to figure out, like, confirm, like, did she yeah. have HIV or whatever? Um, whether or not, um, if I like, like, and I think I remember I read somewhere that she had she died of some other disease in the book, but that the movie just never like outright says. I mean, she is. doesn't die at the end of this book, so if that happens, okay. it must be in the sequel. Okay, interesting. It does leave some because I you you do you are left wondering like when did she contract HIV and would Forrest Junior maybe they, yeah it's that's never a good addressed question. in the movie um it seems un uh, I don't know because it's not always passed I think but it's it, I think it's possible for it also could have yeah. been after like we don't know when she left I don't know we don't know exactly when any of this happened and it's also comp- I don't know the exact whatever but it is there is there's at least a question left there of like could force jr have yeah like when i don't know yeah anyways and then my final question uh that i had before i wanted uh before we get to the my loss in adaptation was it was just a line and it was the intro quote that i had it was maybe one of my favorite lines in the movie that i do like it quite a bit um and it is i think the closest we get to a thesis statement from the movie and that is the line, I don't know if we each have a destiny or if we're all just floating around accidental like on a breeze, but I think maybe it's both. Maybe both is happening at the same time. And I wanted to know if that line came from the book. It does not come from the book. I will say that there are like some sporadic mentions here and there throughout the book about like, you know, the idea of destiny or fate, right. like what you're supposed to, like, what you're meant to be doing with your life. But I would say that it's an even weaker thesis than what the film presents yeah okay and we'll talk more about what this film is saying in our next segment uh because as i mentioned normally lost in adaptation is things i'm confused about or whatever it wasn't really anything i was confused about in this movie and if sometimes when that happens if i can't figure out a good place to put these questions elsewise we use lost in adaptation to just discuss themes so that's what we're going to do now so let's get to it in lost in adaptation just show me the way to get out of here and i'll be on my way was it lost yes Yes, and I want to get unlost as soon as possible. So um, we, we touched on this a little bit, but I just want to touch on it a little bit more. This is kind of like a, I don't know if theme is the right thing, but or right word, but um, the portrayal of a, a parting, of a person with learning disabilities and, uh, you know, like w- how this movie handles it. I think we mostly touched on it as much as we want to, but mm. is there anything else we wanted to kind of... So I, I said earlier, I, I think it's a mixed bag yeah. from each of these, yeah. both the book and the movie. Uh, in my opinion, I do think that the film is overall kinder and less insulting to Forrest, but Tom Hanks' vocal choices yeah. were oof. Yeah. I, choices were made, and yeah. I don't know if they were the right choices. Uh, now, the book does use dialect, but it, it comes off feeling less like a portrayal of someone with a learning disability and more like someone from like a deeply rural area who isn't super well educated 
And I think it helps that there are other characters who use the same dialect as Forrest throughout the book. Yeah. Not every single character, but there are other characters who use the same dialect. Now, I am a known dialect hater, but it felt far less offensive to me than what was going on in the movie. Explain when you say dialect hater what you mean there. <laughs> I just, just so I people just, understand, because that's a I, thing. Go ahead. I I don't like, I get it. I get when when books employ the use of dialect. I understand it. It's not my favorite thing to read. Okay, that's what you're saying. You're saying specifically in the context of reading. Yes, specifically in I the context of reading. I just want to make sure we reading. clarified if that. You have a, if you have a regional dialect, I don't care. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. Specifically in the context of reading, I do not like, I don't, I just don't enjoy reading dialect. Like I find it kind of irritating and grating to okay. read. And like I said, I get it. Yeah. I understand what's being done. Yeah. It's not my favorite. Yeah. I think we discussed this at length enough earlier that we don't really need to get much into it there. But again, I think it's it kind of boils down to the movie. The movie is 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 trying to be sympathetic and trying to create to to create a narrative of of a person with learning disabilities who is like a real whole person that isn't a caricature and, yes. and blah blah blah. They're trying to do that. I just don't think they always succeed throughout the course of the movie. Yeah, I think it's kind of what it boils down. To. At least that's what it feels like to me. I again, and I think there's other resources out there that will discuss this in much more depth with much more knowledge and understanding than we have on the subject. So go seek those out. Uh, and then finally, if we lost adaptation is kind of getting down really to the thematic element of what the heck is this book and or movie saying or trying to say? Cause the thing that I found most interesting on this watch through um, viewing it in a more kind of critical way and trying to kind of dissect thematically what the movie is doing is that it feels honestly like the movie isn't saying much of anything to mm -hmm, me mm -hmm. which is kind of wild for a film so full of politics um so there's there's definitely stuff in there about like not letting the world define you and 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 being kind yeah. and um even how unintentional kindness can be a force for good in the world and and all of that stuff is there and it works because uh, the movie seems to kind of suggest um that for sort of simple-minded for lack of just quote-unquote simple-minded agreeable way of moving through life is kind of like the preferable way mm -hmm. to interact with the world or at least not the preferable way necessarily but like we would all we'd all be a little better if we took a page out of force book and kind of approach the world the way he does and i i don't think there's nothing there but it does for a movie that is so rife with like tons of again we see watergate we see we go to a black panther rally we go to a yeah the march on washington we're in the vietnam war we're like with all of these completely just incredibly political and controversial topics the movie has very little to say about it and because it has very little to say it ends up being a deeply conservative movie because of that Oh yeah, I would I would agree. <laughs> but again, not actively conservative because it is so yes. passive in it's the face of all these political. Conservative. Yes. Yeah. And and I think one of the other things that really stuck out to me is that, and I talked about, I mentioned this earlier, but like tonally, the movie is just everywhere. Not everywhere. I think tonally, the movie kind of fails because it treats so many deeply serious subjects with such like a a dismissive like corny like tweeness that i don't mm -hmm. know how to what the movie even wants me to get from it there was one scene in particular that made me think of this which is we like right after we see wesley uh hit jenny at the black panther thing and then they're all fighting and then the next day 
um, she's leaving to go back to California with Wesley and all the yeah. other hippies on the bus. And Wesley's like waiting for her by the bus entrance. And he's kind of like being like kind of like passive because he knows like Forrest could beat him up or whatever. So he's kind of like avoiding Forrest's gaze or whatever. Yeah, he's being a little squirrely. Yeah. And then when after she gets on the bus, Wesley kind of looks over at Forrest and Forrest like squints and like gives like he's like he's like um watch it like gives yeah. him like an intimidating face or whatever which is supposed to be like a laugh moment like supposed to be like because like look at Forrest like try to be intimidating yeah. but he, he he's can't, I mean he's physically intimidating he like beat the shit out of this guy but like when he's trying to put on the show right. he's being, trying he's trying to like mean mug yes, and he it, can't it just, really pull it it doesn't it off. really work it just comes across as kind of silly but like we're supposed to chuckle at that, but like we we're chuckling at the fact that he's trying to intimidate this guy who just like is like abusive. To it's just it feels so tonally yeah weird that I'm not sure what I'm supposed to get yeah, out of well, it. Yeah, and then 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 moments like that are juxtaposed against like like the scene where the second time Jenny almost commits suicide, like when she's at the disco club or whatever, yeah. like is very serious. Yeah. Yeah, it was, she like she like gets up on the balcony and then like she slips and then like gets yeah. back down and she like is like sobbing in a chair or whatever. Yeah. And it's like very serious. And it's like that. And, I, and it's not even that those scenes coexist. It's like to me, it's this scene in particular. And there's a, there's a handful of other scenes like this where it's like we're we're treating this very like like are we supposed to hate Wesley because he's hitting Jenny? If that's the case, like, why are we laughing? Why are we giving? Why are you giving us a scene? to like chuckle at Forrest like trying to be it just feels so because the scene is we actually don't like this guy he's an abusive asshole yeah so here's here's where here's where I guess my disconnect is this scene should feels like it should be the thing this this sh scene should play out how it does where he like like awkwardly glares at him and we kind of chuckle at how bad Forrest Gump is at looking intimidating that scene should play out with just a generic boyfriend yeah, that Jenny has, not one that was beating her up in the last scene. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yes. Like it yeah, should happen with just like, he he's like overly protective of Jenny. So he's trying to glare at her boyfriend because he wants, he wants, he's like, I'm watching you. But, but we know that this guy is an abusive asshole. So that, that, that punchline does not land. Like it's, yeah. it just, I don't know that, that stuff like that just really did not work for me. There's other times though where the movie you can tell is at least doing some commentary. Like there's the at the end when he gets all the money, he um when Forrest Gump gets all the money, he donates a bunch of it to the church he was going to mm -hmm. in Louisiana. And we get this very brief scene of the church doing upgrades or or whatever, and they literally just putting a giant gold cross on the top of their church, which to me felt maybe like some commentary yeah, on yeah. religion and organized religion yeah. and the way they use money and blah blah blah, like that sort of thing. You know, they weren't using it to, like, feed the poor or to, like, even to, like, you know, like, upgrade their pews. Or, it was literally, like, we're just putting a giant gold cross on that. It was, like, right. the most vain kind of thing, like, possible. And so it very much felt like the movie was, like, kind of criticizing that. But, again, that's, like, the most, I don't know, so many times it just feels like the movie isn't really saying anything. And it is really well made, but it just doesn't have much to say. And what it does have to say are just like milk toast, vaguely liberal values about like, ev can't everybody just get along? And because of that, it ends up fundamentally just kind of being conservative in a way that is like. Yeah, no, uh, I, I agree. I think you hit the nail on the head about the movie.
uh, still unsure what the book's goal was. Uh, kind of felt like it was to annoy me personally. Yeah. Um, but I think you're right about the movie. I agree. I co-sign yeah. everything you said. Yeah. I, I, get it. I think the biggest example of that, and we mentioned a little bit earlier, is like the Black Panther scene where yeah. it's just like, okay, you know, here's people actually fighting for civil rights. And again, it, but they're fighting for civil rights in a way that this, this right. fucking in a white, way In a way white, that the narrative white, disagrees with. Yeah. This um, middle class or a rich white guy from LA d- thinks is like not the best way to go about fighting for civil rights. So like, let's paint them as like kind of like radical like mm-hmm. they all have guns and they're all like intimidating and they all they don't like Forrest Gump and they kick him out and he's like you know it's just it, it it's dismissive and it's 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 tokenizing and it's just all just like it's all ugh. like it just it it just it's like this pastiche of like bland nothingness mm-hmm. that again feels if you don't think about it if you don't I, and again I, I I don't want to be too critical because I'm not too critical, but I don't want to be too mean or dismissive <laughs> here. I think if you don't think much about it, the movie feels vaguely like progressive. Yeah. Like if you don't think about it too much, but if you like some of the scenes though, when you get right down to it and again, especially with how they treat Jenny. Yeah. Like it feels like the movie is saying, man, shit would have been a lot better for you if you had just stayed with Forrest and not yes. like, like she feels like she's punished for living her own life and like trying to go out into the world and like uh, do things. And like, uh, she's also punished for being like, lo- like sexually liberated. Like she, Oh, she mm-hmm. goes and poses in playboy. And again, I think the movie is at least, so- I want to be fair as possible here. I think the movie is at least somewhat like critical of the fact that like she gets kicked out of college because of like being in playboy or whatever. I don't think the movie's endorsing that necessarily, but it still feels ultimately. Yeah, they're not endorsing it, but they're not really condemning yes, it either. Yes, that's the other thing. Yeah, it's it, again, it's just, and that's what it comes down to is that the movie says so little. Yeah, like it, it ends up saying so little about like all of these political things that are happening. Point being is that yeah, because the movie decides not to take a a stance because it, it's written from the perspective of Forrest Gump and wants to be like Forrest Gump is this like neutral observer who just blows through on the wind. Right. It, it, it feels like it's endorsing this idea of like non-participation. Yes. In a way that is incredibly conservative. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. All right. Uh, that's all we have to say about that. Let's get to better in the book. You like to read? Yes, I love to read. What do you like to read? Everything. Um, so I couldn't talk about this in our previous segment because this is my only point for better in the book. Um, but in the book, when asked what he thinks about the war, right, Vietnam War, Forrest honestly replies, I think it's shit. <laughs> And I really thought the movie was going to do this when he got up to speak at the the march. But then the movie literally takes his voice away from him and we don't even hear what he says. And I was kind of razzing on the book in my notes for taking the bold stance of the Vietnam War was bad, actually, which no one could ever be brave enough to say. But damn, at least the book had an opinion. 
And the movie, like, kind of like we said, seems very intent on, like, both yes. sidesing it. Yes. Like, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, the war was bad, but those hippies sure are it annoying, really, am I right? It literally, yes. And again, that just gets back to what you were just saying, but it really does, where it's like, yeah, yeah no, we agree the, the Vietnam War is bad, but all these people protesting it are kind of, like, They're kind of, like, they're kind of, like, annoying. Kind of annoying if we, like, really... If we're being if honest, we're really like if we're really thinking about it, it's like kind almost, of almost as bad. Almost as bad as the war is the fact that these people are really annoyed that they don't like the war and they're so loud about it. <laughs> that's like almost as bad as the war was. So <laughs> And again, I don't think that's what the movie is trying to say necessarily, but it definitely is kind of yes. saying that. The silence of the yes. film says that. Yes, yes, for sure. And it's very interesting. And again, I mentioned it again that this film is written by Eric Roth, who is the screenwriter on a lot of things more recently that I think do not take that sort of both sides. From what I've heard, mm-hmm. I've not seen, he wrote Killers of the Flower Moon. I've not seen it, but what I have heard, that movie is pretty explicit in not both sidesing um the narrative of that story he also wrote dune the 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 dune um the 2021 dune Dune, the new dune um which i think it very much falls in line with what the book was doing in uh being very critical of imperialism and Mm -hmm. all this sort of and not both sidesing all that sort of stuff it 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 definitely has a nuanced take on things and and it, it, it it acknowledges that situations are complicated but it is not both sidesing things in the way that this movie feels like it is by just refusing to 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 say anything interesting all right let's talk about what katie thought was better in the movie my life has taught me one lesson hugo and not the one i thought it would happy endings only happen in the movies um kind of mentioned this but i i did like you know, for all the movie's treatment of Jenny and the issues there, I liked that Jenny was an actual character. Yeah. Like, we get yeah. backstory for her. We know about her. Um, We see her relationship with Forrest, like, grow and develop yeah. throughout their lives. Little detail that I liked when he's playing football in college, um, stop Forrest. Like, when oh, he yeah. gets to the end zone. I yeah. don't know. I thought that was funny. Yeah. Oh, the I, sign or whatever. Yeah, the yeah. sign yeah, and the Because he runs zone. over the band yeah. the first time, yeah. Which is a problematic. It's it, like, it it's, is. Because it, it's like he's not that, he's not, you know, like we're playing with the idea, look how stupid he is. He just runs through the right. like And, and but, again, but, you yes. know, slightly to the book's credit, I think the book is maybe kinder to him slightly in that way because he does eventually understand football yeah in the book well and he does i think he does in the movie too and it's it's one of those things where it's tough because i i say it's tough i say this from a very privileged position and people may say it's not tough (laughs) fuck you and that's fine you can say that i'm not I'm, i'm not disagreeing with you I think in that instance, the movie is definitely sacrificing some of his humanization of Forrest in for the sake of humor yeah which i think you i understand arguing against that and being like no you shouldn't do that but i also think i could kind of see the argument of like but it's pretty funny i don't know it's tough also (laughs) also and i'm not saying that's how this is how we should read this but you could read it as as his community um providing what he needs uh, what what is the word for it Um, Uh, accommodations accommodations for him yeah oh he doesn't know when to stop we'll let him know yeah exactly Uh, the community coming yeah no again i'm not saying that's how we should read it but but you could read it like that yeah i don't know yeah Yeah. (laughs) 
the movie cuts some unnecessary characters. I'm, the movie cuts a lot of unnecessary characters, but in uh, particular um, by just having like a short scene where Jenny's performing at the strip club as opposed to in the book we have this entire storyline where she's like in a band that plays at college bars and like Forrest spends a bunch of time like just hanging out with this band yeah. and like playing the harmonica and it all is very tiresome. Yeah. Uh, I thought the million dollar wound thing was kind of yeah. funny. Yeah, getting shot in the butt. Best place. Yeah, million dollar wound. I had to look that up. I didn't know what the reference was. Is um, there a reference? Well, it's just it just means like they call a million dollar wound is like a wound that's bad enough to get right, you to send you to, home, to send but you not, home okay. but to not to like permanently yes. harm you yeah. in any way. Yeah. I liked the scene where all of his letters to Jenny get returned as undeliverable. Mm-hmm. Uh, that got me. Yeah. Uh, imagine a story with emotional through lines. <laughs> yeah. The book could never. I like that his mom gets to come to things in the movie. Mm-hmm. Like she comes yep. and she sees him, like gets his medal yep. and all this stuff. Yep. Uh, the book kind of ignores her for a lot of the text. I liked the reunion with Jenny at the Washington Monument. We talked a little bit about that. Uh, I really liked that Forrest goes and visits Bubba's grave. He does go to see Bubba's family near the end of the book, but I don't recall specifically him visiting Bubba's grave being mentioned, so I thought that was nice. Yeah. Uh, his mom even gets an emotional through line in this movie, Imagine. Um, an overall issue that I had with the book is that it kept introducing characters and then it seemed like it didn't really know what to do with them, so they yeah. kind of just drop out. And, like, none of the stuff that's set up with them is ever paid off. I liked the scene where Jenny is throwing the rocks at her childhood home. That felt personal to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked, uh, sometimes I guess there just aren't enough rocks. Mm-hmm. Um, the scene where Jenny and Forrest have sex for the first time, much nicer than the one in the book. Uh, the, the one in the book was not, like, awful, but it was also, uh, like, maybe a little bit crass. Okay. But there were also worse things in the book, which <laughs> yeah. I'll get to. Yeah. I liked that Lieutenant Dan came to their wedding. I thought that was nice and kind of like a nice wrap up for his character. And I liked that Forrest actually got to be a father to his son yeah. at the end. Yeah, that like, was nice. That's nice. Yeah. It's nice. That's it like the nice. thing that I want to see happen in my stories <laughs> yeah. book. Um, a couple things that I, the the movie excises a lot of what is in the book, but a couple of things that were really, really, really sticking points for me throughout. Um, so at no point in this movie does Forrest get sexually assaulted by an older woman living in his mother's boarding house, an event which the text treats as funny and good. <gasps> I, this scene actually made me feel ill. Oh God! When I read this, like. It was pretty horrifying, and the text is very uncritical of it. Really? Yes. Uh, we also get to skip out on like a bunch of different instances of people like throughout the novel describing Forrest as like very sexually attractive, while he just like sits there not fully understanding what's going on. Mm. Big ick. Yeah. Big ick for me. Some slightly less serious things that I just didn't like in the book because I thought they were stupid and tiresome and they dragged on and on. Uh, At no point in this film does Forrest have an amateur wrestling career, 
where he wrestles <laughs> under the name the dunce oh god and he fights a guy called the turd incredible um uh, yeah real glad that didn't make it in and there there there's it's this whole big long sequence of events and they're discussing when he first starts doing this they're discussing how he's got to throw the match because it's all fixed right so he can't win um and he's gonna fight the turd and his manager is like his manager says the turd must win and i was like that's how i feel about reading this book the turd must win i must let it defeat me there you go it's meta commentary <laughs> apparently it was um and then my final thing uh here at no point in this movie does Forrest get shot into outer space with an orangutan and a lady astronaut, crash land in New Guinea, and get captured by a tribe of very racistly portrayed cannibals? I am not making this up. Sick. I could never make this up. This happens in this book. If you are an enjoyer of the movie Forrest Gump, please do not read this book. You will be so upset and disappointed. <laughs> There you go. Fair enough. Let's go ahead and get to a few things that the movie nailed. As I expected, practically perfect in every way. Uh, we talked a lot about um, some stuff that was in it already. I took a lot of my notes out, but a few things. Forrest's mom does run a boarding house. Mm -hmm. uh, there is a scene where Forrest tries to save Jenny while she's making out with a guy in a car. Jenny at one point does ask him like what he wants to be and he responds, Ain't I going to be me? Yeah. Which I think is a really good sum up of like his outlook <laughs> yeah. on things. Uh he does get shot in the buttocks when he's in Vietnam. Uh he does get the Congressional Medal of Honor and then proceeds to moon the president. I, almost, I was gonna ask if he mooned yeah, the president. He does. Yeah. He does moon the president. Uh he does go to China to play ping pong. Uh, we do see Lieutenant Dan as uh, a angry, drunk, homeless, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, there is a line, something about I forget who asks him in the if, in the like, movie. Lieutenant Dan asks. The, he's they're talking about like if God. he's found found Have Jesus, found Jesus yeah. and there is a moment where somebody says that to him, and Forrest is like, "I didn't know I was supposed to be looking <laughs> for him." It's a good line. Yeah. Uh, and he does get his shrimp business, which is eventually super successful, and they do make a buttload of money. Is it called the Bubba Gump Shrimp Company? I think so. Okay. Just wondering. Because <laughs> that's a real restaurant. Yes. Now, so. I've been to that restaurant, have you? actually. I have, I have uh, yes, yeah. a long time ago in another lifetime. <laughs> All right, we got a handful of odds and ends before the final verdict. Uh, there's a scene that really cracked me up where during the when he goes to visit Jenny in college and after he beats up the guy in the car and they're in the rain, they come in and she's like, have you ever been with a woman? And he's like, uh, and then she kind of like she puts her his hand on her breast and he <laughs> climaxes. Yeah. Uh, very quickly. And <laughs> the camera like tilts down and her roommate is like awake like listening to all this <laughs> like, with oh, the no. most horrified look on <laughs> no. her face oh that cracked me up oh things i don't miss about college yeah 
I also never noticed that Jenny's hippie boyfriend, uh, who's working with the Black Panthers or is organizing with the Black Panthers, Panthers is named Wesley. And yeah. I don't know if that was an intentional choice. Was he in the book? No. Okay. Because obviously uh, Jenny is played by Robin Wright. Right. This is just yeah, a few yeah, years yeah. removed from Princess Bride. And I, I was wondering if they intentionally did that as like a weird little like Easter egg of making her yeah, maybe. boyfriend Wesley. I yeah, don't know. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways. There's a moment. I think this is when he meets Nixon. Would have been the last president that he meets yeah. in the movie. He meets JFK, Gerald uh, Ford, and Nixon, I think. I think doesn't he meet? Does he not meet Lyndon B. Johnson? It is Johnson, not Ford. Sorry. Yeah. Ford's they mentioned Ford because Ford uh takes when Nixon yes. resigns. Ford. Yeah. yeah. But no, he meets Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then when he meets Nixon in the movie, he's like, I met the president of the of the United States again. <laughs> and I was like, Bro, that's how I felt reading the book. Yes. I was like, Oh, we're doing this again? Okay. Yep. Yep. Cool. Uh when he goes back and his uh his mom is dying of cancer. The old age makeup on Sally Field in that scene is incredible. Oh, it's great. She looks, you can't even tell yeah. that it's a makeup. Yeah. Like it, especially if you look at pictures of her now, it does not look like that yeah. different from and how she And old age now. makeup is hard to do. Oh, yeah. And it's, it's, I was just blown away by how good it was. Because a lot of times it's very like, okay, yeah. like you're. Who did the makeup for this? I don't know, actually. Was it V. Neal? It might have been V. Neal. <laughs> I actually think it might have been. I didn't look it up, but. Looks like. The main one was Daniel C. Tripecki. Yeah, there was not anyway. a single name I recognized in the no. makeup department. So, <laughs> fair enough. It was kind of funny that they they had him be Forrest Gump woke billionaire at the end of this, where he like gives all his money away. Oh yeah, he just like <laughs> donates all of his yeah. money to other people. Yeah, as all billionaires should. Yes, uh, and then um, my last note was just that. I don't dislike it, but all of the needle drops in this movie are like so on the nose <laughs> where it's just like exactly the song you would expect in particular. The ones that really stuck out to me is when he's running. It's just like, it's like, what songs do we have that have the word running in them? Let's yeah. just use those. And <laughs> I was like, right. fair. I, that's fair. I, I don't disagree, but also all of the music in this movie objectively slaps. So I, will agree I with wasn't that. too mad about it. I will it. agree with that. They're using good music. Yeah. It's just it's a lot of it and it's not all of it, but just like there was quite a few times where I'm like, all right, you're just it felt like you literally just like searched like a song lyrics database <laughs> to find the words that are relevant to the scene. <laughs> I don't know. It's just Yeah. yeah. Before we wrap up, we wanted to remind you, you can do us a giant favor by heading over to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or Goodreads, or any of those, or also Threads, any of those platforms. Give us a like, a follow, subscribe, whatever you need to do so you can see our stuff and interact, because we would love to hear what you have to say about Forrest Gump, because we will read those comments and react to them on our next prequel episode. If you want us to do a, a giant favor, you can head over to... Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere. I'm trying to think because all the all the iPod or all the all the podcast things are dying. Oh, are they? <laughs> yeah. Well, Stitcher's gone. I believe yeah. Google. Uh, or not. There's another one that's going away. There's like several big, um, uh, like podcast like things that have huh. closed in the last year. Um, anyways, wherever you can uh, give, drop us a review, drop us a little five star rating and a review. We'd really appreciate that. And then if you want to support us even more, you can over to patreon.com slash this film is lit. Support us there. 
For a few bucks a month, at the $5 a month level, you get access to bonus content. Uh, last month, we released our episode on a bonus episode on Happiest Season, where we talked about that movie. This month, we're doing... Enchanted. Uh, Enchanted. Uh, that'll be out here before the end of the month. Uh, every month, we do another random movie where we just kind of talk about whatever we want that is not an adaptation and give our thoughts. And if you get five bucks, give us five bucks a month, you get access to that bonus content. And then finally, at the $15 a month level, that's our Academy Award winning level, you get priority recommendation, whereas if you have something that you would really like for us to talk about, you can shoot us a recommendation and we will move it as close to the top of the list as we can get it and, and get it into our rotation quickly. Uh, and this one was a patron request from... Uh, this was a request from Kelly Napier. Yes. Kelly, I hope this is not your favorite book. Yes. Oh, goodness, Kelly. I hope <laughs> I hope you enjoyed the episode, despite the fact that we were fairly critical of both the book and the movie, uh, and positive about the movie in other ways, too. But, uh, you know, fairly critical. I hope you enjoyed the conversation, and, and <laughs> it wasn't, you know, too hard to listen to. I hope you didn't just turn it off. Anyways. <laughs> but thank you for supporting us thank you for i really did i like i said it, i really enjoyed discussing the movie i really enjoyed watching it again uh, and i'm glad we did uh did this episode on it so thank you for supporting us and for recommending it uh it was it was a good time so katie now it's time for the final verdict now uh, are you ready for your sentence sentence but there must be a verdict first sentence first verdict afterwards on page two, this book unironically and unsubtly compares itself to Dostoevsky, Shakespeare, Faulkner, Steinbeck, and Harper Lee. Not only did it not live up to those comparisons, it was one of the single worst pieces of literature that I've personally ever encountered. This book tries to sell itself as deep and inspirational while relying on bottom-of-the-barrel slapstick and fart and pee jokes. It bounces from wild plot point to wild plot point like the author was using a dartboard covered in sticky notes to decide what happened next. It introduces character after character only to continually drop them from the text. Its character arcs are weak and its emotional through lines are even weaker. If you are going to vote for the book, in the follow-up poll, you better come out swinging. You better come out with your claws because I have brought my claws to this. <laughs> and here's the thing. I haven't even talked about the slurs yet. I don't know if I've ever encountered a book with so many casual slurs, except maybe Huckleberry Finn. But damn, at least Huckleberry Finn was trying to make a point. This book uses all kinds of slurs, but in particular, it uses a slur for Asian people 42 times for no real reason. Just cause? So fun. This book reminded me of watching slapstick of another kind, and I mean that in a fully derogatory way. There are aspects of the film that haven't aged well. Namely, Tom Hanks' portrayal of a character with learning disabilities and specifically his vocal work in doing so, uh, among other things that we discussed. However, the film did a much better job handling its plot points, character arcs, and emotional through lines. I was angry and frustrated the entire time I was reading the book. And while I occasionally cringed while watching the film, it was overall a far more enjoyable experience. So the first victory of 2024 
goes to the movie. This book fucking sucked. Thank you. Next. <laughs> there you go. That is, uh, yeah, I don't have anything to add. Katie, what's next? Up next, we are talking about The Great Mouse Detective. The Great Mouse Detective. This is a movie I forgot about, but I definitely watched as a child quite a few times. Yeah. I remember being a fan. I, I like this movie. Yeah. It's it's one of those ones from that weird era of Disney mm-hmm. when they were making some kind of weird stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I like it. I have fond memories of it. Awesome. I also didn't know it was a book, so sweet. pretty excited about that. Awesome. Well, that'll be our next main episode, but in one week's time, we'll be doing our prequel episode for that where we'll learn a little bit about The Great Mouse Detective and hear all of your feedback on Forrest Gump. So let us know what you thought. We'll discuss that next week. Until that time, guys, gals, and minor pals, and everybody else. Keep reading books. Keep watching movies. And keep, keep being, being awesome. awesome.